This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The wrong decisions that Abraham made also provided a bad example to his son Isaac who did the very same thing in Genesis 26, 7. Isaac, the man of the place asked him of his wife, she's my sister, for he feared to say she's my wife. Lest said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. So Isaac was not saying, God has promised that I will have a son and God is so powerful he's gonna protect me from being killed. Isaac was not preaching from the housetops what he heard in the ear. Why not? Fear of man, fear of man. And neither will we preach what God tells us if we're afraid of man. So this is a fear that has to be discouraged, put down. Aaron, look what Aaron did because he was afraid of man. In Exodus 32, 23, he says, he told his brother Moses, when Moses came down off the mountain, says, what happened, Aaron? How come we got a calf here? And Aaron says, well, they said unto me, make us gods, for they'll go before us. For as for this Moses, we know brought us out of the land. We what not what was become of him. Aaron allowed Israel to go and commit the greatest sin in the wilderness there of making the golden cap because he was afraid of man. And King Saul, it says there, that he was explicitly told, no spoil for the people for God, the spoil. No animals for the people, animals for sacrifice. And he allowed the people to take the spoil and the animals, why? First Samuel 15, 24, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord because I feared the people. He lost his position as king because he feared man. Peter, we've already said how he denied the Lord. He denied the Lord because he feared a little girl who accused him of being with Jesus. Matthew 26, 74, he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. Rulers of the Jews who believed in Jesus, they believed, but because they were afraid of the Pharisees, 
John 12, 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And maybe the greatest sin that was done because of fear of people, Pilate. Pilate, who knew Jesus was a just man, who determined in his heart, release him, let him go, whose wife had put fear in him by telling him, don't have anything to do with that man. And what happened? John 19, 12. Henceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth. Verse 16, for John 19, 16. Then delivered he him therefore to be crucified. That's why the Lord says, Fear not them which killed the body. Verse 26, fear them not therefore. Because we think, oh, well, if we skirt by it, compromise a little bit, we'll be safe, we'll be happy. The Bible says no. It says in 20 verse 20 and 25, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. And Proverbs 16, 20, he that handleth the manner wisely shall find good, and whosoever trusts in the Lord, happy is he. Psalm 118.8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because fear is based on, when we're afraid, it's always based on something that we think terrible is going to happen. It's, oh, if I do this, if I let this happen, this terrible thing's going to happen. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, for all intents and purposes, they thought, well, we're going to get burned up, thrown into a fiery furnace for not worshiping the idol. But that's not what happened. In Daniel 3.26, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. It says, they were looked at, and it says, they saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed. Neither their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. Fear might have said to them, you're going to be burned up. But that's not what happened. God's prevented that from happening. Same with Daniel. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying. He was thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying. And so what happened to him? He put his trust in the Lord. In Daniel 6.23, Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. That's why we have to discourage fear of man. Put it down because we don't know what God is going to do. We are sent as sheep into the midst of wolves, and the battle for the disciples had to be fear, was fear, fear of being martyred. We don't have fear of that today, thank God. But we have a fear of being ridiculed, of being despised because we proclaim that Jesus is God. We have to discourage that fear, that fear of man, because we realize there's a time coming up when it's all going to be opened up and everybody shall see, every knee will be, every tongue confess, every knee will bow, that Jesus is Lord. And this is where I have a particular problem with television and movies because so often these, what's portrayed on television and movies is the enemy of the truth, which is why I don't like to watch movies because scenes of Hollywood terror are not the reality that God allows but realizing that man has a limit to his power, and man, at the worst, can only kill the body. He can't destroy the body and the soul in hell. 
Why? Because the body is going to be, bodies are going to be resurrected again, resurrected again. And so, but, uh, so the devil and those that want to kill the body, they have a limitation. They have a restraint. And so this is why it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, not who he decides to devour, but who he is allowed to devour. Now, so there's a great limitation. And this is what the Lord means in verse 28 when he says, not able to kill the soul, not able to kill the soul. He puts it another way in Luke 12, 4. I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after, they have no more that they can do. Now, in verse 28, there is a fear that has to be built up, that has to be encouraged, and that's the fear of God. And there is a difference there. He says, don't fear those that can kill the body. Then when it comes to talk about God, it doesn't talk about kill. It uses another word, destroy. It says, fear him that can destroy both body and soul. And there's a difference. It's not the same. Because the wicked can kill the body of the saints, but they cannot destroy the body of the saints because killing the body of the saints only puts the body of the saints into the dust from which it will be resurrected again. But by contrast, When God sends both body and soul into hell, they are both in a state of continual destruction, a destruction that never ends. And Satan and the devils know this, and that's why they responded to the Lord Jesus in Luke 4.34, which says, when the devil spoke to Jesus, it says, saying, let us alone, whatever we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth, art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. But the Lord did not come with the purpose of destroying man when he came to earth. He said that in Luke 9, 56. The Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And if a person persists in resisting, saying no to God's invitation to believe himself into Jesus, to make him part of the submitted ones to Jesus. A person resists that, God reluctantly does destroy and cast them into a place which was only designed for the destruction of Satan and the devils. So what happens when going back to that martyr in that cell the night before, and he makes a decision that he's going to die rather than to denounce Christ? What is that? What is that decision? That's no more of a decision that that martyr made than a sailor makes when he decides to unlaid the boat in order not to lose lives. Just throw off the weight off the boat so that the boat doesn't sink and you lose a life. Because a man loses nothing. He only loses what he's going to be lost anyway, his life. And in the case of the Lord, they killed his body. They killed his body was, as he said, broken. It was dead. They killed it, but they didn't destroy his body. They didn't destroy his body because it was resurrected, and we follow in him. Eternal life is a resurrection of the body. Eternal death is the only terror to be feared. Eternal death is a death that doesn't end. When God casts a soul into hell, 
It's just destruction of the soul that never ends. And this is why it's very, very carefully chosen the words in 2 Thessalonians 1.9 when it says, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. It's a destruction that doesn't end. It's a destruction that lasts forever. Everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. The lost look at death and they think, It's the end. It's annihilation. It's cessation. It's the end of troubles. But the Bible says, no, for the lost, death is the beginning of troubles. And to preach that message is going to mean you're going to be hated. I have a very close friend, very good friend, known him for a long, long time. He's told me that he resents that I'm the type of believer that tells him that I believe that he's going to be sent to hell if he doesn't accept Christ as his Savior. Now, in verse 28, the Lord is talking about power. It's all about power. Power. Power to destroy both body and soul in hell. God is the all-powerful one, and not Satan. And the reason God is to be feared is because of God's power to destroy. Verse 28. The reason... God is to be obeyed is because of God's power to punish. The reason God is to be clung to is because of God's power to be merciful. The reason God is to be loved is because of God's power to love. And the reason God is to be trusted is because of God's power to save. Now, when you think about fear, the heart of fear, the center of fear, the thing that's feared the most is to be abandoned. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's the feeling of being forsaken. It's the feeling of being forgotten. It's a feeling of being lost at sea, for example, left alone along the side of the road. It's the feeling of Psalm 142, for I looked on my right hand, and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. At the heart of fear is the feeling nobody knows you. Nobody cares about you. Everyone's forgotten you. And so the Lord is countering this this feeling when he says in verse 29, he talks about the birds now, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. The point he's making here is the pharaoh with the sparrows is that care is measured by worth. If something doesn't have any value, you don't care about it. Oh, I don't care about that. Throw it away. No value. And he points out how sparrows do not have a value for man. The point about how little sparrow is seen here and how much you can buy them for. He says in verse 29, two sparrows sold for a farthing. Very small amount of money. Two sparrows sold for a farthing. Now, when you look at that in Matthew 10, 29, and you look at a parallel passage in Luke 12, 6, gives a different number. It says, are not, in Luke 12, 6, are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? So Matthew 10, 29 is two sparrows are sold for one farthing, and Matthew 12, 6, five sparrows for two farthings. Where's Scott? Scott's not here, our math teacher. He should figure this out for us here. 
There's a difference, right? You can buy two sparrows for one farthing in Matthew 10, 29, but you get five sparrows for two farthings in Matthew, in Luke 12, 6, right? So how is that possible? How can one sparrow buy two farthings in Matthew and five sp and two sparrows? For, I'm getting all messed up here. But two farthings are for five sparrows, okay? Well, the, the explanation of that, and it kind of goes along with the point he's making, was a common practice that if you paid out two farthings, then they would throw in an extra sparrow at no charge. So that's how you got five for two, see? And, and again, it just kind of goes along the same vein that it shows how little value the sparrows had. You know, they put them on skewers and barbecued them, and, I mean, kebabs, and uh, you ate the sparrows. That's what you did at that time. Sounds delicious, no? Anyway, I remember being in um, Bergamo, in Italy, Bergamo, and um, years ago, a friend of mine was a professor at the University of Bergamo in Italy, and uh, we went into this restaurant. His name was Salvatore, and Salvatore loved to do things that were not legal, not allowed. That... He thought that was so exciting, you know. Had a mistress, never mind, anyway. So um, we were there, Salvatore and I, and he ordered lunch, and then he, he, they brought the lunch there, and he said, these are baby sparrows. He said, this is very illegal. He says, you go to prison for two years for this. And so, uh, true confession, I ate the sparrows. They weren't that good. But anyway, it's nothing I would certainly, I would not go to prison for two years for it, I can tell you that much. Anyway, that's just what they did with them. They ate them as kebabs. Okay, well, anyway, but he says, with such a little valuation by man, God puts such a value on the sparrow that he says in verse 28, one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. If a sparrow has all the attention and all the care of God the Father, that a sparrow that has a price of half a farthing, there, how does that price of that sparrow compare with the, our valuation? which can be seen in the price that was paid for our redemption, which is given to us in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 6, 19, and 1 Peter 1, 18. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You're not your own. You are bought with a price, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 20. You are bought with a price. What's the price? First Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. How much more the Lord cares for us because if he cares for the sparrow, which has such a low price, how much more for us? And he says he cares for the sparrow when it falls on the ground. Why is it going to fall on the ground? Because a, an arrow was shot and it hit it. Because a stone, a slingshot was used and it was hit with a stone. And the sparrow, he says, it's not abandoned. He says the sparrow is not forgotten, it says in Luke 12, 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and one of them is forgotten before God? No, he says, no. Now he says here that in our passage here, he says, one of them does not fall to the ground. And then he uses the words, without your father. Now, a statement without your father, you could say, oh, it means without the presence of your father. For us, that means whatever happens to us is going to have the active presence of Emmanuel. God's going to be with us. He's present with us. He's present with the sparrow, with every sparrow, whether the sparrow sits on her nest, whether the sparrow is hatching her young, or the sparrow is flying, or it's bringing back food for her young, or it's sending out her young from the nest, it's, or it's caught by a hawk or a trap, or it's pounced on by a cat. God is present with that sparrow. That's what he's saying. 
Now, when you look at this verse, and it says, the sparrow doesn't fall to the ground without your father, you say, wait a minute, that's an incomplete sentence. Without your father what? Without your father present, without your father knowing, what is it? But it's purposeful that he stops short on the sentence, without your father. What do you mean? Without your father knowing about it? What does he mean by that? Without your father being present? Without your father caring? means all of that means all of that, and that's why he stopped short, because he says, even means without your father giving his permission for that sparrow to fall to the ground and giving his permission as to where on the ground that sparrow is going to fall. Exactly the place, all of that with your father. And he speaks about, therefore, how much he cares for us. And he goes on about how much he cares for us in verse 30. He says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. They're not just known, they're numbered. Extreme care. He's not just talking about our head. He's talking about the hairs of our head. He's talking about them individually. Every aspect of our life, he says, being cared for. So the point he's trying to make here is that, so why should you be afraid of your enemies? If God has so much care of you that he's got a, a tally and a numbering, number, he's got a list of the number of your hairs. You don't even have a list of the number of your hairs. It's a good thing because it keeps getting shorter. But anyways, he says in verse 31, Fear ye not, therefore you are more value than many sparrows. That's why the Lord wants us to see the extreme care that he puts into sparrows. You know, I watched a sparrow last week as it came and landed to take a drink, no, Mexican waterfall. It was a water fountain. And I watched a sparrow as he came in and he landed there and take the drink. It was amazing to see that sight because it was amazing to see how God equipped that little sparrow. God cared to give that little sparrow eyes with such a sharp sight that from the sky they could see this little water fountain there. He cared to give that sparrow a brain, a control center, to control the angle of his wings and take into consideration the wind and to make a perfect landing there. He didn't fall in the water. He landed right perfectly on the edge of that fountain. God cared to give him the wings with such precise maneuverability to make this pinpoint landing on the edge of this concrete lip of the fountain there. God cared to give him a body so sleek that it could just glide through the air. He cared to give him a mouth that to suck up the water to drink it. He cared to give him a nose that didn't suck up the water and so he starts coughing because he inhales water. He cared to give him feathers that, that didn't get waterlogged from the splashing of the fountain there. He cared to give him legs hollow so that they wouldn't weigh him down when he's flying, but strong enough to support his weight. He cared to give him the feet with the toes so nimble to hold his position there on the lip or on a branch. And he cared, the sparrow didn't look skinny, he was fed. He cared to give him food. This is what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6, 26. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? If God cares so much for that one sparrow, the Lord says in verse 31, Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. He feeds the sparrows. He's not going to starve. He's not going to starve his saints. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these great words of encouragement this morning as we consider all that you've done for us, the great price that you paid for us. 
your ever constant care. And may we, Lord, walk out knowing that we go nowhere without our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.